0: Welcome back to Kansas City's favorite podcast, where the playbook is thrown out the window. The hosts are sometimes blitzed. Occasionally, there's an offensive line and we tackle all the important topics of the week. I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute of the Kansas City Symphony. I'm Jason Sieber, the Associate Conductor.
1: And I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the Director of Education and Community Engagement. Okay, guys, I would definitely like my quarterback after paying to hear oh, all of those uh, terrible jokes. And another one. Nice. <sighs> guys, Beethoven walks into a bar is always a good time, and we've had the pleasure of talking with so many wonderful people from our beloved orchestra and the community, but I have to say that today is a
2: It is indeed, Stephanie, and as a huge football fan and someone who loves to always connect two of my passions, music and sports, I'm just a wee bit excited for (laughs) us to sit down and talk with our special guest for this episode of Beethoven Walks Into a Bar, Mr. Andy Reid, head coach of your Super Bowl 54 champion, Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) Welcome, Coach Reed. Hey, great to be with you guys. Appreciate you having me. Welcome to the show. We're so happy you are joining us today. We really appreciate your time. And you and I kind of talked briefly. I think there's a lot of overlap between what goes on stage with an orchestra and what happens on the field with an NFL team. And there's a lot of similarities between what I do as a conductor and what you do as a coach. But before we get into all of that, I should mention that you were so gracious to be with us today on the podcast because you've recently come to a few Kansas City Symphony concerts down at Hellsburg Hall. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and your experience coming with your wife to these concerts the last few months.
3: Yeah, well Tammy and I love live music and we had a chance to I had a chance to converse with you about some of the events that you had come up. This was way back even before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And and so I took you up on the invite and and came down phenomenal. Uh, a couple of concerts that we saw and heard, and uh, just you do, you were extraordinary. And in, and in, in how you handled uh, the the symphony part of it, and and then the the singers that were you know were doing the different renditions of of, of groups there. So we we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. I recommend it to everybody. You need a night out, take your best girl out and come to the <laughs> symphony, man. It's a that's right, it's I love it. A, it's a great, great event. Oh,
1: awesome, you
2: know, it's interesting because you said that you would recommend it to people. There's so many people in Kansas City that have never been inside the Kauffman Center, and it's gorgeous, of course. they They see it from the outside, they think it's beautiful, but they've never been inside. So, what would you tell someone that's you know just a little reluctant to come or? Or nervous about oh I don't know how to act because it's the orchestra I'm not sure how to dress or what to say or what to do.
3: Yeah, you can put the tuxedo aside. You don't have to mm-hmm. throw that on, <laughs> what a lot of people think you do when you when you come listen to a symphony. Symphony is a big word uh, in this country and it holds a lot of a lot of weight, which it should because there's a tremendous amount of time and effort that goes into it. But it's also public friendly, so. Uh, the uh, an average guy and 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 woman uh, like myself and anybody else can put on their duds they don't have they don't have to be fancy but just put on your clothes and let's go show up and yeah. uh, and enjoy that's that's what I think of the entertainment value is is spectacular and put everything else aside and let's just get to that part and get ourselves out there and, and enjoy all the efforts that go into Presenting this gorgeous music,
0: nice. it's a good endorsement. I like that you use the word entertainment there, Coach, uh, because you know one of the things that I was curious to ask you about today is, you know what, what that feeling of excitement is in you know in a football stadium versus in the concert hall, and you know it, it seems obvious that if you're going into Arrowhead Stadium, it's going to be rowdy. People are going to be excited. They're going to be standing. They're going to be cheering. They're super engaged with what's going on on the field. In the concert hall, hopefully, they're just as engaged. Of course, standing, cheering, and drinking beer—you know—while we're playing a symphony, it's not totally the norm. Uh, maybe it should be. But how how do you think about that when when you come into the concert hall? Like, what's the feeling compared to you know going to a game?
3: Well, it's, it's probably the same type of anticipation. You, know, you want to you do want to be entertained. Uh, you're not quite sure what to expect. Every symphony, I, I think, is a little different than the other, even if it's the same. Uh, venue taking place, I, I think uh, just because of the human element of it, yeah. <clears throat> and so uh, you you know that the people there have got to be a little bit flexible and and make some moves um, on the fly, and so it, it's it, it's that part of it that that draws you to it, and then you just sit back and and you enjoy. <clears throat> you're not standing up and you're not booing and all that, but
1: you're that's right. You have a tendency. <laughs> <I hope not. laughs>
3: they'll, they'll get you out of your seat now. They'll get you out of the seat and stand up and. <laughs> And uh, with with whatever, whichever venue you go see, but it, when uh, you get up and you can dance and you can do whatever, whatever that group is, is entertaining you to do, you can do or you just sit back and enjoy the music. So it's enjoyment value, I guess.
1: You know, I love this idea of, you know, talking about audience effect on a performance because you're right. I mean, the the audience effect you might be playing. for example, this weekend, we're playing the same four pieces three nights in a row, but each performance is going to be different. And part of that's because, you know, we might play it slightly differently. And part of that is because it's a different group of people, every concert in the audience. And I think that's something that we could kind of draw a parallel between how the audience impacts the symphony concert and brings that energy. The same thing to a sporting event where you have the crowd there and, you know, might if it's a home crowd, it's going to affect your, your mindset and your performance may be a little differently than if it's a way crowd. Can you talk a little bit about, especially here at Arrowhead stadium, which is the loudest anywhere and you know, how that crowd can kind of affect a performance or a game.
3: Sure. Well, pl- players are entertainers and just like yeah. uh, a flute player is an entertainer. Uh, I mean, it's the same uh, rush that takes place when you know people are showing up to watch you perform. And players are very aware of that. We, we know, you know, we sense all of that and, and know, what's, know what's going on. And, and the players make comments about it. You know, we could really feel the crowd. And I think it's, I, I know it's the same way at a symphony. And you you are so right. Every crowd is a little bit different. Right. And, and so, you know, however you hit that nerve when, when it's spectacular, when the crowd is spectacular, the entertainers feel it. And they normally... I know at the symphony, they, they relay that to you, and, and I, I feel it's the same way in, in the NFL. They're, the players respond to that, and, and it's not necessarily like it was uh, maybe in the gladiator days when it's a thumbs up and thumbs down, but it's still, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, very, very aware of, of the crowd and, and, how, uh, and how they respond to your performance.
2: Now, you're a very experienced coach, and you've been to multiple Super Bowls. Talk about being on the big stage, and especially when you're dealing with players that have never been there before, learning how to control your nerves and all that adrenaline and to channel it positively and to stick to your game plan, stick to what's gotten you to that point so far, because sometimes we can have a really difficult piece on a program and it's the same type of nerves or whatever, or you're in a very in front of a very important crowd, like maybe you're playing in front of the Pope or someone like that. How do you work with your players to try to keep those nerves in check?
3: Sure. Well, you know, well, as I did, Jason, you try to educate before you get to that point, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing like when it actually takes place, everybody reacts different. And so as a teacher or a coach, you, uh, yes, you prepared the player, uh, to do what you hope that they do, uh, but you never really know everybody's different. I love that part of it yeah uh, sometimes the shyest person uh, and, and the person you think is going to be the most nervous just stands tall and and can can fire away and be and be the best player out there um, and, and yeah. then the person that you think might be the most confident person and, and secure in oneself <clears throat> gets out there and all of a sudden the jitters set in and and you go, all right. Well, my job now is to bring you back to uh, the the midpoint. Let's find let's let's find where you're. You can be most successful and and as a team make this thing sound right and 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 play right. You know, uh, in my case, so
0: yeah. So that's one of the things you know I love about playing in orchestra. Actually, is that relationship between you know the players and and the coach, the conductor, and that you know, you sort of have this um, nonverbal communication and understanding going on all the time. Right. And, and, you know, hopefully you're supporting each other in that way. And I think, you know, the, the best leaders obviously, you know, do that the best that is, that is, I think the essential skill in conducting an orchestra and obviously the best teams depend on that as well. So Talk a little bit, if you would, about how you kind of build that trust and that camaraderie with your team in the same way that we hope, hopefully do with our conductor. I know I, I trust Jason when he's up there. Thank you, Mike. Right.
3: Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the point is that we're all human and you have to understand that. You got to start with that. And so uh, we all have weaknesses. I mean, there, there's going to be a point where some form of weakness shows up. As a team, you're also going to have strengths. I mean, because you're in that position- you 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 uh, there, you you had to have gotten to that point because you have some strengths. So, but my strengths cover up your weaknesses, and your strengths cover up my weaknesses, and then let's go. Hmm. And, and that's the part of the yeah. team that you that you love. And, and then there there's a trust that develops there that uh, through hard work and the grind, and you know whether it's training camp for us or these OTAs that we're in, or uh, whether it's all the practice time that you guys spend together, you just you develop this feel for the guy next to you and you just know that he's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, you just know that he's going to take care of business. I might miss this block, but my partner next to me is going to take care of it. Hmm. I might not have the perfect throw to a receiver, but that receiver has got a catch radius, and he is going to expand that thing to go get the ball. Yeah. I know if I'm a secondary player, uh, as a corner, I might miss my jam, but the safety over the top is going to take care of me. When you get that together like that, you get that trust, that ends up being just a, a spectacular and beautiful thing that takes place there.
2: Nice. I mean, the same thing happens with us. You know, sometimes, like, let's say Mike takes a little extra time at the end of a phrase, and the oboe has to pick it up from him in the next phrase. She might wait. You know, she knows she needs to wait. It's the same type of thing of, of relying on each other and working together. To kind of go along with that, to me as a coach, or as a conductor, and you as a coach, <laughs> A lot of it's about knowing the personalities, I think, of your players and what works in in giving uh, an instruction or guidance to one player might not work at all with another. So, knowing the personalities, the different uh, psyche of each person, some people need something very blunt and very direct. Other people, you might need to sugarcoat it a little bit, make it more encouraging. Talk a little bit about. How important it is to get to know your players personally and their personalities, so that you can get the best out of every single one of them.
3: Yeah, so that's that's huge. You and, and most of all, be honest with them. And so I tell I tell the guys, and there, there are no I'm going to tell you what my weaknesses are as we go. If I goofed up, I mean you're going to hear. It. Mm-hmm. I, I normally don't talk about my strengths, but I do talk. I want them to know that even as the head coach, that, that there are things that will take place and be, not be afraid to admit it. So let's keep this room open where we can discuss and learn and, and turn it into more of a learning center so we can perform better uh, together. And I think that if you can knock down those boundaries and walls that you have uh, that are natural human tendencies, uh, the better chance you have of, of joining together and kind of playing more as one. And and that, like I said, that trust, that trust factor comes in there. And uh, it, I, I, I will keep using that, that word because yeah. You can't have you can't take a bunch of people and, and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play this, or we want this play to be successful. Your case, play this. My, my is a, we've got to make this play successful. Uh, and you can't do that with just individuals being individuals. They they've got to respect one another and and pull together and be able to cover each other up when needed and and um, and, and most of all, play together and. Yeah, Uh, or it's just not going to sound right in your case or look right in my case. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you know, I love that you keep bringing up the word trust because that's something that the three of us really hold um, important, just you know, in in our everyday work lives. But it's something that the symphony really values: is trust and transparency and openness. And you know, I work on the administrative side of things. I was a musician; I'm not anymore. I don't play in the orchestra, but there is that level of understanding and strong communication and trust between the administration and the players and the conductors and the librarians and all of that that I think is it that's the number one thing in what makes a strong organization regardless of what you do is you know being open about your strengths your weaknesses and you know your desire just to be the best that you can be personally but I wanted to go back uh, I just when you were talking about your players and talking about um you know, knowing everybody's personalities and and wanting them to bring their best, um, it made me think a little bit about you know when we do a big concert, there might be nerves involved. Uh, you might you know have some anxiety or some uh, just a little stress in there. And uh, musicians uh, have their own little rituals about things that they might do to calm those nerves. Uh, we. We eat a lot of bananas. <laughs> there, there are bananas everywhere. Um, but I would imagine that that there are. There's a different approach, maybe from an athletic event, if you're trying to calm your nerves, or you know specific rituals. You don't have to name names, but I'm curious if you have any stories about. Uh, you know, pre-game rituals or anything that are particularly interesting, (laughs) more interesting than just eating bananas?
2: I like that question, Stephanie.
3: Yeah. Well, I always tell the guys, let their personality show. So um, (laughs) that with that, and I tell them that about on a daily basis. So, um, so with that, it gets complicated, right? There are a lot of different personalities on a, Uh on a team from, and these guys are from all different, uh, uh areas in the country they're from all different religions they're from all different races and and uh we're asking them to come together and and be one so um so you do get you you know some guys are a little bit more superstitious than others to the point where Mm -hmm. they have to do everything uh the same way every week and if they don't they truly believe that you're not they're not going to be successful and the team will not be successful and and so i wish it was that easy I'm not really a superstitious guy <laughs> and I relay that to the guys that I, I wish it was that easy or I wouldn't be spending the time doing this that I do I just rely on you putting the you know the right sock on the right foot and that you wear the same <laughs> pair of shoes and and that, you know that you wear the same underwear and all this stuff that the, these guys do so uh, and it's not only the guys it's the coaches it's ownership I mean everybody okay. has their own little deal that, that they they feel like uh, helps and perform at their best. Um, uh, I mean, we, we had a, a, a fullback here that was very popular the last few years, and he'd walk around with a, a sani bottle filled with smelling salts, and he'd make sure everybody took a, a smell of this smelling, you know. <laughs> and and it would about blow your head off if you know if you, <laughs> you smelt it. But um, that, you know, they've all got their deal, and <clears throat> it, it's kind of funny. Uh, we had a secondary player here and he'd walk around with a football and he'd make sure you touch the football um coach i mean he went around and had every team member every coach touch this football and he felt like that that would help us win but like i said i don't i i I laugh at what these guys come up with but it helps them settle nerves yeah maybe the, the little bit of difference in ours and. And the symphony is that we're going out there in a violent sport. It's, this is a yeah. one where you're, where you're risking limb, uh, limbs to go, uh, uh, go play. And so it, it's not war, but it's about as close as you can get to it w- without you know, killing each other. So it's, uh, it, it's, it is a violent sport. These guys play hard and aggressive. They dedicate their lives to it. And so, whatever goofy things they come up with, I'm all in. I I just go, all right. <laughs> that's awesome. Go ahead. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm not in. I'm not. I, I don't believe in all that. But I mean, that's whatever makes you feel right. Let's go. And and we do eat bananas too. So I mean, <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. The, the potassium helps. It just. It's it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. There are no bones in bananas too. That's a. That's also good.
2: So Nice. I'm taking a few things away from this. For one, I think it'd be interesting if we sent 350-pound linemen right at a flute player, right at a key moment, a solo or something, and see how Mike does. <laughs> because uh, there's one thing, you know, everyone wants to be an armchair quarterback and be like, oh, I could have made that pass. But you also don't have a three hundred fifty pound lineman coming right at you at, you know, yeah. thirty miles an hour. It's yeah. it's
0: very simple actually. If that were to happen, I would run away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or duck.
0: We should
2: we, we <laughs> could duck. also ice we could we could ice the trumpet player. If we only we could call a timeout in the middle of a concert and ice the trumpet player and make him think about that solo that's coming up, like the kicker at the end of the game. That'd be kind of fun too. Well it's
0: funny, I mean that that happens sometimes uh not not in rehearsal really, but uh, excuse me, not in concert really, but in rehearsal sometimes there will be um, you know a big solo coming up, like if we're playing Daphnis or something, and and uh, invariably in the rehearsal process we'll get you know right up to where this big moment is going to happen, and you're a little nervous and you're anticipating playing it, and you know I pick up the flute and I'm ready to go, and the conductor stops and they have like ten minutes of commentary about whatever is coming up to it, and I just. You know I would just want to play the thing and you know feel like it went well and feel secure that it's all going to be fine so it, it does happen they they ice the flute player sometimes <laughs> <laughs> well I wanted
1: to just say this before we got too far away from it but another thing coach that you said that I think is really important is you know we're talking about your players who are at the top at the top of the top of their game and their abilities I mean when we're talking the NFL we're at the very peak of ability and talent. And when you're in a professional orchestra, it's very similar. Um, you know, we have you know there are hundreds of people that audition for one position. We're in the middle of auditions right now and that so really in a in a professional orchestra, it's very similar. Talent wise, you're at the top of the top of the top. But I love what you said about, you know, continuing to push your players. And, you know, our our musicians are certainly practicing all the time because they want to be better. And as a conductor, Jason wants to be better. And you as a coach, you want to be better. Um, And not just kind of resting on that as, you know, well, I've gotten here. So, you know, I've reached it. But really the sense of wanting to be better and, you know, personal growth, I think is, is super important. And we see that all the time.
3: Right. And so much of that's attitude, right, Stephanie? I mean, you go, you go, uh, and I'm, I'm, we have a lot of new faces here right now at this time of the year. And, and and so wherever you came from, whether it was college or another pro team, uh, the attitude here is we're going to practice hard. We're going to practice fast, but there's a certain attitude to it. It's not to beat you up. That's not what it's for. It's so that you can be better and we can, we can maximize our potential, uh, that we have. Let's see. Let's try. Let's try that. Let's not be afraid to uh, find that ceiling, or or at least strive to find that ceiling, and, and have fun doing it. I mean, let's go. This is a great time to, uh, of your life to be able to, to be able to do this. And and so uh, the attitude on how you climb uh, through this thing is important, and then that's also important for life. Even if you're not in the symphony or in football, uh, you've got so much time that you have. Uh, on this earth, and so uh, and whatever you believe after this, you believe. Uh, but you have so much time here that that's that's kind of a proven fact. And so yeah. so maximize that and enjoy it. I mean, enjoy what 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 you've got going, and and uh, and be an energy giver as opposed to the energy taker. So and, and that will yeah. help you with whatever whatever direction you're willing you're willing to go in your life or want to go in your life
0: so i'm really curious for you to talk a little bit about the practice and uh, i mean within the practice and eventually the game process of how you encourage or maybe you don't encourage players to improvise in some way Hmm. Um, because something that happens on stage that i think you know is an ideal for us is that you know we had a plan we rehearsed And then an individual or a group of individuals, um, in the moment, you know, along with the conductor will create something that, you know, they hadn't planned. And I think, I think those are, you know, the best times in our concerts, um, and in our rehearsals too, but there's a balance, right? It can't all be improvised. Um, well it can, it just usually goes poorly when we do that. So uh, how does that, how does that that translate to, to what goes on in games and practices? Cause, you know, especially as young players too, um, Part of the reason I'm I'm so interested in this is, you know, you get so much input sometimes you just get used to waiting for the input to know what to do, right? You kind of stop mm-hmm. imagining for yourself in a certain way. Um, so how do you get your players to to not do that?
3: Yeah, so <clears throat> we all have to stop at red lights, but before the red light, there's some yellow, and it's not for a very short period. It's not for a very long period of time. It's a, for a short period of time, uh, but, and during that time. Uh, there, you can go ahead and have a little let your personality show moment. And and, but you have to do it within the rules, you still have to stop at the red light. And so go ahead and let your personality uh, show that part of it. I'm gonna give you, I'm going to give you the game plan. And and I'm gonna teach you the plays, I'm gonna teach you the discipline of the plays. Within that discipline, there's a little bit of yellow there that you can work with. And and so uh, go ahead and go ahead and use that. And um, and and that's where that's where your personality can come into the picture there. I
1: love
2: it. Yeah, that. I like that. Well, I mean, that's really great. That's really great. And the same thing kind of happens with with me as a conductor. You know, I might have an idea. Uh, my game plan is the orchestral score, which has everyone's parts in it. And I know I come to that rehearsal knowing exactly what I want to have happen on stage. But I also trust people like Mike. Well, maybe not Mike, but I trust many of the <laughs> other members of the orchestra to come with their ideas of how that solo should go or sure. you know, their interpretation of the piece, so to say. And that's important. Talk a little bit about, to go along with this, I guess, giving autonomy to your players, especially your leaders, someone like Mahomes. I mean, you have a game plan, you call a play, but then, of course, he might call an audible and once he reads the defense and you trust him, of course, in that moment to make the right decision. Talk about how important it is to give that autonomy to your players.
3: Yeah. Well, that's where all the practice time comes in and and that, so you have to have a knowledge of what you're trying to get accomplished. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's more than just a touchdown, but how how are you going to put it together to score the touchdown? Somebody like Patrick has a great understanding of that. He spends a tremendous amount of time practicing and he's, he has God gifted tools that, that he's been blessed with, whether it's a great vision, whether it's, a strong arm or, or his ability to know when to run or not run the instinct, uh, part of the, of the game that we have. So I, and I respect that and I kind of know, haven't been around him long enough here. Now I kind of know what he's got in the, you know, he's been gifted with. So the part I like the most is what you said about, uh, we call it the laboratory on the field. So the, the quarterbacks are in special teams period. They'll get over there and they'll get whatever receivers or or uh, tight ends or running backs that aren't on the special teams uh, part of that day, and they they brings them together and they they come up with just bizarre things. <clears throat> so we said, who may we go off of the theory of who says you can't do something? Now I would imagine mm-hmm. in music that boundary is unlimited, yeah. And I feel like within you know, the hundred yards and fifty-one yard wide field that there there have been things, most things have been tried, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> you get these rules in there kind of by you know the decade and they say, well you can't we can't do this or we can't do that or we can't well who said who said that? I mean who made mm-hmm. that rule and why? So let's explore that. Go ahead and, and let your mm-hmm. mind go and create. And so we come up with some bizarre things. And and uh And then I have, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm the head coach. So I have 51% of the vote on it, whether we go forward or, or, or throw it out. But, um, they know that I'm open to just about anything, you know, within reason. Yeah. So, so, um, expand the boundaries. We do the same thing defensively. Spags gets in there and he goes, listen, offenses are going to do this. Uh, we're going to put together this. So as opposed to us having to kind of bow down to the offense, let, let's go ahead and worry so much about what they're doing. Let's give them something to worry about here with yeah. this, and mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 then who says you can't you, you can't do certain things? But let's let's explore that area. Let's let's get there, and but you better have an understanding of what's going on to do that. You better, and then you yeah. have, as a leader, you have to have a trust that they they do have an understanding. Of that.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to um, talk a little bit about community because it's a, an important part of my job. But so mm-hmm. Jason, Mike, and I are all transplants here to Kansas City. We um, came here for this job that we have. Um, much like you and your players, you you come and you know you make Kansas City home. But I think the three of us have found that Kansas City is is really a special place. Um, the community is incredible and it rallies behind its arts it rallies behind its sports it rallies behind itself as a community and we find a certain responsibility as a as a community institution something that's open for everyone to really you know draw that in and we have we have an important role to play in the community and i wonder how you feel as a you know being like the the face and and the head of such a huge community institution what the responsibility you feel like is um you know to to bring and to give back and and just to kansas city itself
3: yeah it, it, that that is unique because we do have people from all over the country that play for us and mm-hmm. and now we're getting guys from uh africa and, and different country germany they're that they're that, uh, that love playing the game and they're they're working themselves into being professional so um, I, again, I love the fact that when we all come together, we're willing to give back. I love when our players go out into the community, which they do way more than what people really know. Sure. Um, uh, and, and, and whether it's, I, I think it's one thing to give money. I think it's another thing to give time
1: Absolutely.
3: and our players get out there and they, they you know, they love kids and they, most of the things are centered around the youth and trying to Help educate and promote positive uh, a positive youth environment for for this city, and um, whether it's Patrick building a, a park or you know whatever what, whatever it is, I mean they're, they're, we got a million guys that go out there and, and do stuff. The problem is that sometimes only the negative gets uh, relayed, but sure. um, there's so many good things that are taking place, and the people and it starts with Clark Hunt. And his family, mm-hmm. they, they are very big on giving back, they give back to the city. When Clark talks to the team, he he preaches that to the team. You know these, these we're making a living here. Don't forget about that. We're making a living because of the people that come mm-hmm. watch the game and or watch it on on TV or on their iPads or their phones. We're, we're making a living doing that. And it's our responsibility. To give back they're giving to us make sure we give back and so we all kind of follow that lead our we have uh public relations department and our community relations department do a phenomenal job uh, of making sure that we, uh, the the things happen in the community so um yeah that part that, that's awesome to see and and uh you know obviously to watch that
1: speaking of uh the patrick's park uh we ended up playing there we have a community uh we have an outdoor stage, our mobile music box. And we ended up playing there about a week after it opened. Yes. Um, which it's, it's such a cool place. That place is, it's awesome. Martin Luther King.
3: Yeah, Park. no, it is. I, I'll tell you what, people, you know, I'm going back to the word symphony and everybody goes, well, that's for old people. Uh, well, yeah. it, it's not for old people. It's for, it, it's for everybody. And so hmm. anybody coming to the symphony and, and music is so, uh, it, it doesn't have an age to it. And it doesn't matter if it's the classics or modern music. There's no age to that. And my kids always joke me that I've got old classic stuff on my iPad and and uh, or, or my phone, and, and then I've got rap on there. And I go, yeah, but it cut, music's music. I mean, it kind of makes the world go around. And and it, and the symphony is no different. It's not just for older people. And, the fact that you guys get out there, I mean, you just played my front yard just about uh, the other day. Oh, that's right. We did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just opened my windows, sat in my front room and listened to the music. I mean, it was great. Nice. But, um, it's, uh, the, the fact that you guys get out there and do that, uh, is really cool. I think that's a neat deal.
0: Yeah. Well, we appreciate, uh, so much the, you know, the connection that the Chiefs have with the community here. And we, you know, we also feel the same way at the symphony. And um, and I think one of the things that's fantastic about Kansas City is the way a lot of these organizations will, will work together, um, you know, to be part of the community as well. And that's certainly true uh, for the symphony and the Chiefs. Uh, we love having come to play the anthem. And of course, you probably know that Lamar Hunt Jr., was a member of the Kansas city symphony at one time and a flute player uh, himself. So we have, (laughs) we have deep, deep ties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Coach, I, I
2: have a a couple quick questions for you here. First of all, you are a master of designing trick plays. I've watched so many of your cool plays over the years. Uh, Will you perhaps create a new trick play this year and call it the symphony special?
3: Yeah, We probably can work on something like that. (laughs) good (coughs) no pun intended but it sounds good
2: (laughs) all right good good I like it I like it and uh, a lot of times on this show for all of our guests we ask them what they would ask Beethoven since it's called Beethoven walks into a bar so feel free to answer that question but we're also curious for for us Beethoven is like you know the cream of the crop what would you ask Vince Lombardi if you could ask him one question and when you win the Super Bowl again this year, what flavor of Gatorade would you like dumped on your head?
3: <laughs> yeah, so so I coached in I coached in Green Bay for seven years, and Vince Lombardi's spirit was there, um, and and I worked with people that either played for him or coached with him in our scouting department. There uh, we <clears throat> we had a couple. of I remember talking to uh, Red Cochran, who had coached with Vince Lombardi, and he he was an older older gentleman and. and I said, how would, how would Coach Lombardi handle the players today? And he goes, mm. he would be phenomenal because he's a brilliant guy. He, he, he was, you know, obviously a math major and so on. He, he was sharp cookie. He, uh, he said, I, I said, well, talk to me about that. And he goes, well, I can give you an example. So Vince Lombardi, to get on the team plane, you had to have a white shirt on with a black tie. And that mm. was a dress code. If he didn't have that, he wouldn't let you on the plane. Mm. So into his coaching career um, and, and times had changed just a bit. Uh, a kid showed up, one of, the, one of the good players, but he was a rookie, um, um, showed up with a blue shirt with a black tie. And so uh, Vince goes, he's not getting on the plane. One of the veteran players goes, hey, coach, you, you know, he's not, this isn't like something out of the box here. He's not going crazy on you, but this is what it is today. I mean, the white shirts, nobody wears them. It's these, Uh, it's the, it's the blue shirts are in. And, and so, uh, Vince goes, okay, go ahead and let him on. And the player, Mm -hmm. the player couldn't believe that that took place right there, but that was Vince Lombardi. Mm -hmm. So he had the red light. You had to stop at the red light, but there was some yellow in there and Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. flexibility and, and and he utilized that. So what would I ask him today? You know, I'm not sure exactly what I'd ask him today. I just, I'd probably do a lot of listening, uh, to some of the stories and, uh, of past times, uh, it, it was a different era in football. He didn't, you know, he didn't have the same <clears throat> complexity with whether it was interracial situations, although it started to begin when he was, uh, finishing up there, he didn't have the the media. The, yeah. at the level that it's mm-hmm. at now <clears throat> that right. he had to deal with, especially social media. But I know he would have adjusted to it, just like we all have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would like to just listen to the stories is what I'd like, the mm-hmm. different games. I had a chance to sit with Don Shula uh, when he opened a restaurant when I was in Philadelphia and he invited me down <clears throat> and he and Dick Vermeil sat right across from each other and they were just talking, telling stories. I barely said a word that night. I just listened to the stories huh. and I, I listened, I watched Dick Vermeil, who is going into the hall of fame this year. And he was like a child listening to, to coaches, coach Shula's stories. And I, I just, it was unbelievable. So we had like three hmm. generations of coaches there and I was the youngster. I was like in the crib and I was just sitting there listening to all the good stuff that they were, they were spitting out there. So it was, it was awesome, and I'd probably do the same thing with Vince Lombardi, and then Gatorade. <laughs> so, one of these Gatorade bats—I can't remember if it was in whether it was here or in uh, in Philadelphia—but <clears throat> our our trainer actually went and put more orange. He knew we were going to win the game, so he put more orange in the thing so it would show up. And I'm going seriously. I mean, we're <laughs> we, we're taking it to that level now. I mean, so. <laughs> They dumped it on my head, and they they hadn't done that a lot because we hadn't won, like, that much. And I've, I've been with two teams that hadn't won a whole lot, and then we started. Well, they, they hadn't done a lot of Gatorade baths, and so they dropped the Gatorade container on my head. So I'm, like, I'm <laughs> oh. walking around with the Gatorade thing, <clears throat> covering my head like, like a cartoon. But in the meantime, they, all that orange came out, and they got a picture, somebody got a picture of it, and and now Gatorade has that in their entryway up at, uh, at their complex. So, um, oh, that's um, nice. our, <laughs> our trainers foresight, the player's ability to get it all the way on me uh, was all well done. Dropping the bucket <laughs> though, not so good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's a great story. I love and, and hearing the story about all the coaches together too. That is so cool. I mean, if I could be in a room with Leonard Bernstein and Leopold Stokowski and Toscanini and just listen to those guys talk, sure. I would be in absolute heaven. Yes, yeah, you know, right Jason,
1: <laughs> I just had an idea. Uh, Coach Jason is uh, is leaving the orchestra this year at, at the end of the season, uh, and so I feel like uh, Mike, you and I need to work on a Gatorade bath for Jason. Oh no, 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 we'll add Done. some extra orange.
0: <laughs> Yeah, That's done. not happening. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. I, I want yeah. like well, to and, that. Well, nice and, nice. and that would be uh, extra dramatic because we have a rule about no food or beverages in the hall, unlike Arrowhead Stadium. So, yeah. so, some poor person who is uh, charged with taking care of the beautiful wood stage would have a seizure. They might yeah. be a little upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. very sticky stuff. So. That doesn't mean yeah. we won't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, this has been a great conversation, Coach Reed. We really appreciate uh, you giving up your time and talking with us today. And it's just been a fascinating conversation to, to, to see all these overlaps between what you and your guys do on the on the football field and what we do in the concert hall. Uh, before we let you go, I want to play a, a, a short game here. We like to play games here on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. And I thought it would be fun to play a, a, a new game just for you, created just for you, called Reed or Reed? R-E-E-D or R-E-I-D? And I'm going to list some players' names, and you guys are going to tell me, does this person play for that symphony in that city, or do they play for the NFL team in that city? Do they play a a Reed instrument, like bassoon, oboe, or clarinet? (laughs) Or would they know Coach Reed because they play in the NFL? So you, you tell me... Are they in the symphony or on the NFL team? It's okay, get embarrassing. And that's going to be great. And we're going to go in this order: uh, Mike's going to answer each one first, then Stephanie, then Coach Reed. I'm letting Coach Reed go last. Uh, he's our guest; he gets that advantage. Mike, you win all the time, so you're going that's first. True. Okay, yeah, it's true. Okay, are you, you saying right, that so, I
1: lose all the time? Is that what you're saying?
2: No, you usually come in second. <laughs> I always lose, but I'm not playing today, so. And Tim, as always, our audio engineer will keep score. We have 10 of these. We'll go through them quickly. Here we go. Carlos Watkins. Does he play for the Dallas Symphony or the Dallas Cowboys? Mike, Carlos Watkins. What do you say? I'm going to
0: go Cowboys. Okay.
2: Stephanie? Cowboys. Coach
3: Reed? I'm going to go Cowboys, too.
2: You're all three correct. He's a defensive <laughs> yes. end for the Dallas Cowboys. One for one for everyone. Great job. All right, moving on. Andrew Brady. Atlanta Symphony or Atlanta Falcons?
3: Mike. I'm going Symphony. Stephanie?
1: I'm going Symphony. I'm going to say he's a bass player. I have no idea.
3: Coach? I like the Andrew part. I'll, I'll probably say Symphony. He is the principal bassoonist oh, man. of the Atlanta Symphony. <laughs> How <about> nice. That? <laughs> you guys are
2: good. Everyone's two for two. Boy, I got to stump you here eventually. All right. Skylar Jackson, Baltimore Symphony or Baltimore Ravens? Mike. Skylar Jackson.
1: I'm
0: going I'm to go Symphony. Okay.
1: I'm going Ravens.
0: All right, Coach? I'm going tiebreaker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would say Ravens.
2: He is the second bassoonist oh, of the man. Baltimore Symphony. Mike Sorry, gets coach. a point. Nice. All right, here we go. Justin Simmons, Colorado Symphony, which is based in Denver,
0: or the Denver Broncos? What was the name?
3: Mike. I missed the name. Say it one more time. Oh,
0: Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, Broncos.
2: Stephanie? S- Symphony. Coach. Broncos. He's a free safety for the Denver Broncos. I guarantee he's showed up on the Scouting Report many times for Coach Reed, being (laughs) in the same division.
3: Good.
2: Yep. Yeah. He he, look at that. He knows. He knows. Okay, next one. Danielle Hunter. Minnesota Orchestra or Minnesota Vikings? Mike. Uh I'll say uh Orchestra. Stephanie. Orchestra. Coach. Yeah,
3: I'm going the same thing.
2: Yeah, orchestra. You're all wrong. He, Daniel, is a defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. Look at that. Wow. Oh, I yeah. stumped you, finally. Okay, next one. Evan Coolman, Los Angeles Philharmonic
0: or Los Angeles Chargers? Uh, somebody named coolman has got to be cool enough to be on the Chargers. I'm going to say
1: the Philharmonic. Coach. Yeah, I'm
3: going uh, – I'm having a mental blank here, but I'm going to probably go uh, – the music part, the music side of it.
2: Yeah. yeah. The symphony.
3: Yeah. You are correct.
2: He yeah. is a bassoonist and contra bassoonist. <coughs> wow. With the Los Angeles Phil. Cool. Look, Look at you with the
1: bassoonists. Cool, man.
2: Okay. Well, you all know I'm a big Chiefs fan, but at, at, in deep down inside my heart, I will always be a Browns fan because I was, were born and raised near Cleveland. That's why I'm wearing my chief shirt, but I'm also wearing my Brown shirt. Oh, underneath. Oh dear. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, coach. You're okay. Uh, Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller, Cleveland Orchestra, or Cleveland Browns? Uh, Mike G. I'm gonna go Cleveland Orchestra. Okay, Stephanie.
1: Jason would not pick anyone not on the Browns, so it's the Browns for sure.
3: Coach, I think it's the orchestra. I, I don't remember. I know most of the names. I'm- Wyatt Teller is the right guard for
2: Woo! the Cleveland Browns. Wow. See, Woo!
1: Wow. You gotta know your. You gotta know your judge.
2: It's always those <laughs> offensive linemen that you know they don't get enough credit. Yeah. He's fantastic. A He's a. On those, but
1: I don't, yeah. that's all right. It's all right.
2: You're, what's the score so far, Tim? How are we doing? Yeah. We got a tie game between wow. all three people. Whoa! Okay, three left. Here we go. Presley Harvin the third, Pittsburgh Symphony or the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm
0: gonna say Steelers.
1: Steelers.
0: Symphony. He is the punter
1: oh, for the Pittsburgh oh, no. Steelers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: In other words, he's he's the most important person on that terrible team because he touches the ball probably more than the quarterback being the punter. Okay, moving on. Henry Ward, Buffalo Philharmonic or Buffalo Bills? Ooh, I'm going to go uh, Bills.
3: Philharmonic. Take with the music, so I, somewhere I'm going to win on that.
2: You are correct, Stephanie and Coach Reed. He is the principal oboe player of the Buffalo Philharmonic.
1: Are you picking only double reads? Is that what's happening? That's, yeah, that's, that's the game.
2: Read or read.
0: I just you got just that.
2: You just now caught that. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, boy. <laughs> and last but not least, unless we need a tiebreaker, Harrison Lindsay, National Symphony in D.C. or the Washington Commanders. Harrison Lindsay, this is your last
0: chance to score a point. Mike. Uh, I'm going to say commanders. Kay. Harrison
1: sounds like a, well, we have a Harrison. We do. Oh, he's a tuba player too, but no.
0: Harrison. That's right. yeah. yeah. That's um, what she's talking about. He Doesn't
1: plays he play a tuba. The tuba. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah. Did you know that coach? I didn't know. That he that. Plays tuba. No,
3: I did
1: not. Yes. Know. Now you know, um, yeah. I'm going to say orchestra.
2: Okay. Coach.
3: I'm going with, uh, the commanders. He's a clarinetist
2: oh, in the national geez. symphony. Stephanie oh, won the game. Wow. Man. <coughs> wow. Do we have a winner? It has I, to it be those two. Who won? Stephanie. Stephanie, Stephanie wins, wins with seven out of 10.
1: Stephanie Brimhall. Way to go. Amazing.
2: That's Why is exciting. everyone
1: surprised? No.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> because it never happened. And I didn't well, understand the game apparently.
2: <laughs> uh, clearly. Clearly. Well, that was fun guys. Thank you for uh, being good sports about that. Um, Coach, usually the winner of our game gets to do some recommended listening, and I know Stephanie probably has some good ideas, but you know, you said you have a lot of music on your iPad from all different genres, generations. If you could recommend a few things to our listeners of any genre of music that you especially love, uh, especially on game day, perhaps, if you have some game day music you like to listen to, what would you recommend?
3: Yeah, so I don't listen to music on game day I, other than what the players are playing, and that's mm-hmm. kind of wild, but I could can give you the Beach Boys. I can give you Kenny Chesney. I can give you the Fat Boys, and I'm good to go.
1: There we nice. go.
2: Nice. I no, like all it. Good. I like love it. it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving up part of your Saturday morning to be with us. We had such a fun time talking with you. We really appreciate you being on the on the podcast today, Coach. No,
1: I appreciate you guys having me. That was fun. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you. This was really great. Congratulations, <laughs> Stephanie.
1: Yes, I got a congrats from the coach.
0: Good luck to the Chiefs this year.
2: I hope you have a great season. Uh, I hope the Browns uh, get to play the Chiefs in the playoffs like they did uh, two years ago. That was a lot of fun. So yeah, who'd, you, hope, who'd you root we for, meet in the playoffs. Who'd
3: you root for
1: in that? Don't ask him that. Don't Dude. ask him that. You don't I want to know. I rooted for the Browns. Well, I rooted le- for the Browns. He's leaving town. So, I mean, he can say whatever he wants.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did root for the Browns, but.
1: Maybe the town is just kicking him out. I think that might be what's happened. Ooh, boy. Ouch.
2: Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. I did root for the Browns, but I was happy that the Chiefs won. and I was happy with the result either way, like I am every time they play.
3: So, Good deal. Good answer. Great, a so head coach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, coach. Thanks so much for your time, and we hope to see you back at the uh,
0: symphony
3: soon. Great. Be safe and uh, keep it rolling.
0: On our next episode, we'll be joined by guest conductor Gemma New. She is currently artistic advisor and principal conductor of the New Zealand Symphony, music director of the Hamilton Philharmonic in Canada, principal guest conductor of the Dallas Symphony, and formerly assistant conductor with the St. Louis Symphony. We'll learn all about her journey from being a young violinist in New Zealand to conducting orchestras across the globe, and now on both sides of Missouri. We'll also hear how she's working to reimagine the concert experience and inspire the next generation of young musicians. All this and more with Gemma New next time on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar.